How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Hey, so thank you for tuning in to Jump Into The Bit. I'm Kyle Edwards, of course. And um, back for another episode. Appreciate you tuning in. So we're going to take a look back at week nine in the NFL, as I normally do midweek before we get to Thursday Night Football. Look back, last Thursday, Sunday action, past Monday. Uh, give you kind of a key stat or... Something I noticed from the game that led to the, I guess, change in the game that led to the to that team winning, as well as going over my picks that I made for each game, see how well I did with those. So, cover all that this episode. And once again, when I do talk about my picks I made, I pick against the spread. I don't just pick the winner but I pick which team will cover. Um, I usually explain it, you know, before I do it, but pick against the spread if you don't know. When you look at any matchup, Sportsbook assigns a point uh, value to each team. One team is minus a number. That's your favorite. The other team is plus that same number. That's your underdog. So by me picking a team, I'm picking them to cover based off of that number. So if you're if I pick the favorite, that means they have to win by more than that number. Because if they hit that number exactly, they didn't cover. It's just a push or a tie. If I pick the underdog, then of course if the underdog wins, they cover. But if they lose, they can't lose by more than that number. So very quick, quick explanation of what the spread is. Uh, so coming into this past week, I was, let's see, 60, 59, and 2. So that's about 50.4%. Still, the goal is to be like around 60. And I'm starting to figure out it's going to be tough, but still going to push forward with it. I would say like on the low end, can't be below 500. So I'm very close to the line there. If I finish the year like 55, I'll be fine with that. Uh, have me keep track of underdogs because it seems like this year I've been doing pretty well picking underdogs. So I'm 23, 17, and 1, which is fifty, a little over 57%. Last week I did go 6, 8, and 1. So I went under 500 last week. So took a bit of a step back. But now let's look at this current week we just had. So when I talk about last week, that was week eight. I went six, eight, and one. So let's see how I did week nine. So of course, um, we'll start with a Thursday night game. 
And when I do let you know the pick, if you hear this, it means I got it wrong. If you hear this, it means I got it right. So let's go ahead and get started with the pick segment. So Thursday night game, we had Jets-Colts. Uh, the line on this game was 10. So I took the Colts minus 10 points. The Colts ended up getting the win 45 to 30. That was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, the key here was the ability of the Colts to run the ball, which is clearly their recipe for success as uh, we had we saw Jonathan Taylor have a great game, 19 for 172. And also Naheem Hines had six carries for 74. So very productive between those two. And then, uh, as a total, Indy was 30 carries, 260 yards. Not going to say they're going to get over 200 yards a game, but that's incredible. And it takes a lot of pressure off Carson Wentz, who had a good game as well. You know, 22 of 30, 272, three touchdowns. So if they can get that kind of, I mean, they get that kind of balance with 272 passing, 260 running the ball, they're tough. Now, with the Colts, you do want to see them do this against a good team because their four wins so far this year have been against pretty bad teams. And the five losses have been against, uh, you could say, playoff-bound teams. But great game for them. And then in the losing effort, uh, we saw last week's, well, week eight hero for the Jets, Mike White, get hurt. They had to go to Josh Johnson. He came in. He put up over 300 yards, three touchdowns in the pick. But it wasn't enough to knock off the Colts. So, like I said, finals goes 45 to 30. And the Colts improved to 4 and 5. Jets fall to 2 and 6. So, let's go ahead and take a look at the next matchup, which was Cleveland against Cincinnati. Coming into this game, the line was two and a half. I took Cleveland plus the two and a half, so I went with the underdog in this matchup. And the Browns were able to get the win, 41 to 16. So, go there. And the key in this game was... uh, I guess the running game, we'll say. More specifically, Nick Chubb. He had 14 carries, 137 yards. That's almost 10 yards a carry. Uh, Baker Mayfield was 14 for 21, 218, two touchdowns. And this was the first game for Cleveland after the news of Odell Beckham going to get released, no longer on the team. And they came out with a very strong performance against a Cincinnati team that's reeling a little bit. Uh, they're now lost two in a row since being five and two in the number one seed in the AFC. So they've fallen back to five and four. Uh, but this was a great game in in a week that a lot of eyes were on them to see how they would come out and perform after this Odell news. 
And like I said, you put up 41 on, on Cincinnati, a divisional game. With all that distraction, that could have been an issue. You know, Mayfield, 14-21, efficient, 218, two touchdowns. No interceptions is the most important part of that. So didn't give Cincinnati any extra possessions there. And then Chubb, 14-137, two touchdowns. So they are kind of like Indianapolis in the way that if they have good balance, then they will play much better. And Cleveland, past couple of weeks, had slipped a little bit, so this was a win that they needed. And they improved to 5-4, and four, so they're now the same record as Cincinnati. And, and then for uh, Cincinnati on the, other, on the other side, Burrow was 28 for 40, 28 of 40, sorry, 282, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And for this Cincinnati team, they they can't have games where Burrow doesn't throw any touchdowns. And he's got to limit his turnovers as well because Cincinnati's not in a place where they've been consistently good. So this is the first year in a while where they where they started off well. Now that they've lost a few games, we're going to have to see how they can bounce back from that. Because like I said, not a lot of these players have been in that position in the NFL. Sure, Joe Burrow had success in college when he was at LSU. I mean, he won a national title. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. But that's different than NFL. So now they're dealing with adversity. We'll have to see how they bounce back in the next coming weeks. But big win for Cleveland, 41 not sure if I hit that before, but I'll let you know. It was a win for me. So let's go ahead. The very next matchup was Dallas-Denver. The line was at 10 on this game. I took the Cowboys minus the 10. And in a shocker for the for the weekend, 
Denver beat the Cowboys thirty to sixteen. Improved to five and four. The Cowboys fall back to six and two. Uh, in this game, it was well. Quick side note on this game: it was interesting that there were like empty seats at Cowboys Stadium. Well, what's it called? like AT&T or something. We'll just call it Cowboy Stadium. Empty seats there. Seemed like there was a large contingent of Broncos fans there. It was seemed a little odd to me because I thought all these years of the Cowboys that you hear about them being a Super Bowl contender, all this hype, they were 6-1 and one coming into this game. I kind of assumed that you know it would be hard to get a ticket to a Cowboys game. So just just some oddity with this one, but um, the key for Denver was ball control because they came into this game with a clear, uh, clear game plan in establishing the run. That way, you can keep Dallas's offense, which has the ability to be high powered off the field. And it worked for them. They ran the ball 41 times, so that's that's a lot for 190. So uh, that's just you know just a little bit under five yards of carry. And if you're doing that, you're putting yourself in great short yardage situations on second down or third down. And with this offense that Denver has and Bridgewater, Bridgewater who's very uh, effective and usually can make the right throw. He doesn't necessarily have to push the ball downfield, but he can work really well in the short intermediate game. So I think short game, they call like five within five yards of the line scrimmage intermediate, I believe is like in that uh, 10 to 12 yard area. And then, like 15 plus they call downfield or something like that. But Bridgewater's pretty good in that intermediate area. So he went 19 for 28, 249 with a touchdown, no interceptions. And like I said, when he had the running game going for 41 and 190, you don't need Bridgewater to put up crazy numbers. And once again, this is another team like Indy, like uh, Cleveland, where if they can get their run game established first, it it helps their quarterback even more. And that's their recipe for success as well. And Denver was able to do that in this game. Uh, then on the other side for the Cowboys, uh, well, Denver's defense did have a lot to do with Dallas only putting up 16 points, of course. Uh, they did... I mean, Denver picked off uh, Prescott once. He was 19 for 39 for 232 with two touchdowns and a pick. And held Dallas's running game to 16 carries, 78 yards, which, I mean, it's, it's good in terms of yards per attempt, but I think when Dallas is right, they would have more than 16 yards of carry. I mean, not 16 yards a carry, but more than 16 carries in a game. 
So the fact that Denver was able to get up early made Dallas one-dimensional. And if you can do that with Dallas, you have a better chance of winning. So once again, Denver wins 30 to 16. Denver 5 and 4. Cowboys are 6 and 2. Go ahead to the next game, which was Dolphins Texans. Line in this one was 5 and a half. I took the Dolphins minus the 5 and a half. And in a very low scoring game, which I mean it was 2 1 and 17s coming into this, so wasn't expecting the greatest of games. The Dolphins end up winning 17 to 19 to get their second win of the year. So they're 2 and 7. The Texans fall to 1 and 8. No Tua in this game as he was hurt. So we saw uh, Jacoby Brissett, who went 26 or 43, 244, touchdown, two interceptions. And then running the ball, it was just 25 carries, 47 yards, so non-existent running game. And with Miami, they're a team that I was really struggling this year, but going up against another struggling team, they were able to win it. Like I said, low scoring, 17-19. and It was good to see for Houston, Tyrod Taylor back. After he'd been out for, I mean, it seemed like at least like five weeks, it seemed like. And he was 24 for 43, 240, three interceptions. And that that's not quite like Tyrod Taylor because he's, he's a guy who really plays within himself, usually doesn't turn over the ball that much. So clearly there was some rust in coming back. But um, it was good to see that he was able to make it back, get through the game. Um, so, I mean, these are still two teams who you figure will be players for a top pick in next year's draft. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting in this matchup. So, like I said, 17-19, Dolphins over the Texans. <laughs> Yeah, no, no other notes really for this one. Uh, let's go ahead and check out the next game. So we had Saints-Falcons. Now this one, the line was six points. Uh, I took the Saints minus the six. And in a interesting game where Atlanta dominated early and then kind of fell into old habits, which we've seen with them over the past few years, kind of lose leads and then get themselves in tough situations late, which happened in this one. You know, big lead early, lose it. Saints get the lead late, only for the Saints to give it back to Atlanta. They win it, last second field goal, 27 to 25. So like I said, it took the Saints minus <laughs> six. It's a loss. But... um. So yeah, the Falcons approved a four and four. They get to five hundred. Saints fall to five and three. Um so with Atlanta, this was a it was a it was a good Matt Ryan game. He was twenty three for thirty for three forty three, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. 
running game, they didn't have any. 25 carries, 34 yards. And I do think that that is an issue for Atlanta because they clearly they brought in Mike Davis thinking he was going to be a good change of pace from this pass-happy offense that he would be able to be effective on the ground with all the attention in the passing game. But over these past few weeks, we started seeing that, you know, with no Ridley and no real depth at wide receiver, defenses are locking in on Kyle Pitts. Is he, I mean, he only had three catches on seven targets for 62 yards, which is, I mean, good in terms of the three catches, but. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, Use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. For Atlanta to be successful, for on the long term this year, at least the way that this team is uh, built right now, they're going to need more than three catches out of Pitts. And Patterson, who I think is the guy they're going to have to get more involved in the passing game, you saw that in this one, six catches, 126 yards, and he was a part of the biggest play of the game. Uh, when the Saints took the lead, 25 to 24, um, Falcons get the ball back a little over a minute and it was I think like the first or second play of the drive Matt Ryan threw it deep down the I think it had been the right sideline I believe yeah and hit Patterson in stride got it down in the field goal range and that's where they you know bled the clock brought in, brought in coup kicked the game winner um, so yeah, so Patterson's a guy who can take some pressure off of Pitts. Unfortunately, Patterson's probably their most dynamic running back as well. And that's an issue because I think it's cool having Patterson in the backfield to change the pace from Davis, but he can't be more effective than Davis. Perfect, perfect situation. Patterson and Pitts work the passing game. Davis gives you uh, production on the ground. And then Matt Ryan hopefully can be more efficient as defenses are just keying in on the passing game. But, you know, sitting at 4-4, four and four, uh, they do have an interesting stretch of games in their next, like, four or five, which will kind of tell their season whether or not they could be a playoff team or be diving back into the draft. Now, on the other side for the Saints, 
there was no Jameis Winston because we know he busted up his knee. So it was Trevor Simeon getting the start. And Simeon was was okay. 25 for 41, 249, two touchdowns. No complaints there uh, in terms of his production. The run game was 25 carries, 109 yards. That's over four yards a carry. So that's good. And for the Saints, it I mean, based on them getting the lead late, it's probably a game they should have won because of that play that Patterson, the corner, I don't know what he was really doing. Uh, seemed like he got caught ball watching, lost track of where Patterson was, and Patterson was able to get behind him. So if he plays the ball better, we're probably talking about a Saints win right now, but I mean that uh, close games like that, it's a game of inches. Atlanta just came out on top in this one. Uh, I think yeah, it was basically Simmons and Kamara. That's what the Saints offense was basically basically in this game. But yeah, they come up short in a chance to uh, get first place in the NFC South because if they had won they would have tied the Bucks record who were on the bye but the Saints after their win was it week it was week 8 it wasn't yeah it was just before this one week 8 win over the Bucks would have had the tiebreaker so they missed their chance to be in first place but um but yeah the NFC South, NFC South is clearly wide open I mean, you expect the Bucks to win it, but between Atlanta, the Saints, and even Carolina, I guess if they figure it out, those three teams could be fighting for playoff spots. But um be interesting to see how that all shakes out in that division. Uh, but let's go ahead, get to the next game. Raiders-Giants line on this one was three. I took the Raiders minus three in this one. And the Giants uh, got this win 23-16. to uh, To improve to three and six, Raiders are now five and three. Uh, so looking at the Giants side, this was a game where they uh, got a lot of production in the run game because uh, – uh, was Jones. Yeah, Jones, the quarterback, didn't. I mean, Daniel Jones was 15 to 20 for 110 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, that's. It's not exactly the greatest production. But in this game, it was enough. You know, no turnovers was big. Uh, they relied heavily on their run game. 31 carries, 149 yards, basically five yards a carry. And I think it's Devontae Booker. Yes. So he's the running back who's filling in for Saquon Barkley. I got to say he's been he's been pretty good a couple of these weeks. And it's good to see because he was 21 carries, 99 yards. So just shy of 100 yards, but over four and a half yards a carry, almost five. So he's productive. 
and you see a lot of times with the Giants, they get in trouble when the run game's ineffective and you're putting too much on Daniel Jones. That's when he makes mistakes, either taking uh, unnecessary sacks, throwing unnecessary passes in traffic, getting interceptions and all that. Didn't happen in this game, which is why they were able to knock off a Raiders team that coming into this one at five, coming into this game at five and two, was a uh, top team in the AFC. Although I think they were kind of flying under the radar in uh, in comparison to other top teams in the AFC. And plus, they had the whole John Gruden situation, so it's been it's been a little bit weird for the Raiders. And then even with this, they had the Henry Ruggs issue. So, I mean, it's been a it's been a weird season for the Raiders off the field. They're still five and three, so they're still fine. But um, uh, I almost called him David Carr. Derek Carr had a decent game numbers wise, but the big issue with him was the two interceptions in this game. So, pair the Giants' rushing attack with their opportunistic play on defense getting two turnovers. That's how the Giants were able to knock off the Raiders in this one. So, like I said, Giants are now 3-6. and six, Raiders, 5-3. and three. And once again, it was a loss for me on this one. But uh, let's go ahead on to the next one. So now this one, we have the Patriots and the Panthers. Line was set at three and a half. I took the Patriots minus the three and a half. Uh, I think a lot of people were looking at this game as maybe a trap game. As the, I guess the Patriots could look past Carolina, who's you know definitely struggling. And look ahead to Cleveland, which would be, you know, a matchup between two teams fighting for a playoff spot. And definitely a bigger game than, you know, Patriots-Panthers. But New England New England came into this one, handled their business, got the win 24-16 to improve to 5-4. and four. They're still undefeated away from home. They're 4-0 away from home. Panthers fall to 4-5. and five. And uh, after the Panthers were what three and zero after the first three weeks, since then they've gone one and five, and a lot of struggles in Carolina right now. But for New England, this is a game where uh, the running game really, really worked for them. Thirty nine carries, one hundred fifty one yards. So the Patriots came into this one. This was a game where uh, they let it be known early. They weren't going to rely on Mac Jones. There were some games before this one where, you know, we started seeing a build in Mac Jones. He's putting up better and better numbers each week. But this one, I think New England recognized that the defensive line, especially in past situations, can be a little tough. So they decided to rely on their, I guess, reworked offensive line. We'll put it that way. Who's been playing 
uh, pretty well as a unit these past couple of weeks. Relied on them along with uh, Damian Harris. They had Ramondre Stevenson active for this game. Uh, Brandon Bolden. So they used those three in the running game. And then with those three, especially Bolden and Stevenson, you can then factor them into the passing game as well, which they did in this game. So uh, Stevenson gave them over 100 yards all purpose between rushing and and in the passing game. Bolden gave them uh, like over 80 yards, almost 85 yards. And then Harris struggled on the ground, 15 carries, 30 yards. But he, you know, he did get a touchdown down in the goal line area. So it was a good game for New England. And their defense was, I mean, was great in this one. They were able to cause three interceptions from Darnold. Now, a couple of them were definitely his fault where... He he threw passes that he shouldn't have. Um, I'd say it was, I think, J.C. Jackson, who had two interceptions in this game. His second one was probably the worst throw from Darnold because they got into the red zone. Darnold floated a pass into the end zone that Jackson was able to pick off by you know undercutting the receiver. Uh, his first interception was a pick six, which I think was about 85 yards. I mean, that one, Darnold was scrambling to his left. And as a right-handed quarterback, you know, going to your left, you throw it across your body a little bit. And he just floated the pass, you know, over the receiver's hands and into Jackson. And Jackson was, I mean, able to just – he basically had – open space in front of him on his way to the end zone. And then his third inception, I mean, you can't really blame him because it was just a freak play where he dropped back and was throwing a pass over the middle. Jamie Collins, who was actually on a blitz, saw Darnold, you know, getting ready to throw. So he stopped his pursuit, jumped up, caught it in midair, mind you, He's blitzing, so he's basically at the line of scrimmage, just jumped up, caught it in midair, got the interception. I think the stat was that he, I like, guess had like 1.7 seconds to react to it. I mean, I hadn't seen a play like that, so that's just a freak athlete making a play. Can't really blame Darnold on that one, but no touchdowns, three interceptions. 16 for 30 passing. I I mean, I don't know how many more weeks Darnold's going to have as, as the starter in Carolina. I mean, I'm sure if you were to put on some sports talk in Carolina, they're probably talking about P.J. Walker and getting him a shot. I think at this point, what do you have to lose? Uh, they did get Christian McCaffrey back. So, uh, maybe he comes back at the right time. He was, I mean, he played in this game. He was 14 carries, 52 yards, another four catches, 54 yards. So, he got over 100 all-purpose yards. And 
obviously he was just, you know, getting back into the flow of things with this being his first game uh, off the injury report in, in a few weeks. So we'll see that as he gets his legs more and more under him, are they able to get back to some of their success from earlier in the year? We'll have to see. But like I said, 24-6, New England. Patriots now 5-4. and four. Panthers 4-5. and five. And like I said, took minus 3.5. Once again, that was a win. And let's go ahead. On to the next matchup. Which was Buffalo and Jacksonville. So the line on this one was 14 and a half. Big, big line. And I took the Bills minus the 14 and a half. Of course, going against Jacksonville. Jacksonville is one of those teams that you usually just pick the other team, no matter what the line is. But in a very low-scoring game, a shocker, you might say, Jacksonville wins this one 9-6. to six. So, it's and I, I mean, even though Buffalo lost, this is clearly more about Buffalo than it is about Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville improves to two and six, so good they got their second one of the year. Bills fall to five and three, and are now just a half game in front of New England. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, nothing spectacular. He threw for 118 yards. Okay. Uh, running game, 27 for 79, less than four yards a carry. Nothing special there. Um, I mean, I think if you look at this game, it was just a game of missed opportunities and a struggling Bills team because we've seen – this a couple times this year already. Uh, we saw them. I think they struggled with the Jets. They struggled for about two and a half quarters with the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. And now they struggled to the point of uh, losing to Jacksonville 9-6 and being held scoreless through the whole second half. Because they got a field goal in the first quarter, field goal in the second quarter. So went into the half with the six points. Second half, nothing. Um, can't really explain it. I, I don't know. Is it something where maybe we overestimated Buffalo? Which I, I mean, I think it was understandable because based off of last year, fact that they basically brought the same team back and uh, with the state of the AFC East, you know, Dolphins are still trying to figure out if two is the right guy. Uh, the Jets were starting a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Patriots, rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. So Buffalo's clearly the team that had the most continuity in that division, so it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that they were just gonna, you know, run away with it, and, you know, blow out teams like Jacksonville along the way. But as we said, like I said, you know, a few seconds ago, Buffalo's done this a couple times this year, so it wasn't completely surprising, but it was still surprising because it was Jacksonville. Um, 
So yeah, Josh Allen, thirty-one for forty-seven, two sixty-four, no touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, there's way too much talent on this offense to not have a touchdown for Josh Allen. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. But I kind of let you know what type of game it was. It was. I was one of those where Buffalo just, you know, takes the video of it, burns it, never watch it move on hope that this was a second blip on the radar because like I said they struggled with Miami a few weeks ago so I mean maybe they I don't know like I said hopefully it's just a couple of instances and not the trend for like the second half of the season to play down to competition lose a couple of games because they do that they could find themselves not necessarily on the outside looking in in the playoffs but like I said New England's right there half game back New England has few win, uh, winnable games in their next like three or four mm. what once was a, a locked up division for Buffalo at least in many people's eyes has definitely tightened up a lot more recently. So now they're in a fight with New England. And they still have their two games with New England coming up. So the division is still right there in front of them. And uh, we'll have to see if they can regain, you know, that uh, efficiency, that effectiveness that they had earlier in the year that have kind of somehow gotten away from it the past couple of weeks. But, like I said, 9-6 Jaguars win. Uh, let's go ahead and move to the next matchup. Baltimore and Minnesota. So, the line in this game was 6. Uh, I took Baltimore minus the 6. Uh, another game with Baltimore. We've seen like 3 or 4 of these already this year. Comes down to a... Uh, tight finish uh, in this game 
It was so it was thirty four thirty one in overtime. Baltimore over the Vikings. Was, uh, Baltimore had a late lead, late touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, but weren't able to hold on as uh, the Vikings got a late touchdown to force overtime. And then in overtime, I believe the Ravens started with the ball, failed on their first possession, uh, gave it to Minnesota. So now Minnesota has it, knowing that if they just get a field goal, they win the game. They weren't able to do that. And then uh, Baltimore gets the ball back, drives downfield, and as we've seen so many times with Baltimore, Justin Tucker comes in, gets a game winner, and the Ravens now improve to six and two. Vikings fall to three and five. Uh, for Lamar Jackson, he was twenty-seven forty-one, two sixty-six, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, the running game, which I mean, we we know it's Baltimore, so you're gonna you're gonna see big numbers in the running game and they did not disappoint in this one. Forty five carries, two hundred and forty seven yards, led by Lamar Jackson. What a shocker. Uh twenty one carries, hundred and twenty yards. Um so I think I don't know, smarter defenses probably have a game plan against Lamar. Uh, he did show in this one that, you know, when he really needed to, he was able to make plays with his arm. And I keep saying with Lamar, he still has to develop that part of his game to really take that next step. But, hey, I, I don't care if you win by 40 or you win by one. Win is a win. Game that Baltimore needed. And they were able to you know, get through everything, get the win, get to six and two, and I think at this point they're probably leading the AFC. Uh, other side for Minnesota, uh, after fighting back and getting into overtime, stopping Baltimore, getting the ball back with a chance to win, not getting it. They're probably going to be kicking themselves after this one because it would have been a good chance for them to get back to 500 at 4-4 four and four, but instead down to 3-5 and five. Kirk Cousins 17-28 187 two touchdowns pedestrian day uh, Dalvin Cook star for Minnesota in this one 17 carries 110 yards and then production wise running backs were 24 for 133 so um Good game for Dalvin Cook. He's clearly the best player on this Minnesota offense. They do have Justin Jefferson as well, but uh, Dalvin Cook is the piece for Minnesota that that gets them going. If he's effective in the running game, it just opens up more possibilities for Cousins and play action or whatever in the passing game. Um, so yeah, once again, thirty-four, thirty-one, Baltimore. <laughs> Go ahead, take a look at the next game. We have Chargers Eagles. Line in this game was one and a half. I took the Chargers minus one and a half. 
and the Chargers were able to get the win, 27-24. The Chargers improved to 5-3. Eagles fall to 3-6. So quick quick side note about this matchup. I'm sure a lot of you do fantasy football as I do. So I watch this game even closer because the two quarterbacks on my fantasy team are actually uh, Herbert from the Chargers and then Hurts from the Eagles. So, you know, had to make that decision on which one do I start. I went with Herbert, and it paid off. But um, but Herbert had a good bounce-back game after the Patriots game. He went 32 for 38, 356, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, that's those are just great numbers for Herbert. Uh, running game did enough that you had to pay attention to them. 27 carries, 89 yards. Um, yeah, so uh, it was a, like I said, for the Chargers, it was a get-right game. They're now 5-3, and three, which, like I said, puts them right in the middle of things in the AFC West. And Eagles 3-6, and six, still looking for their first win at home. And uh, for the Eagles, they were able to get their running game going. And this was something that we saw the Patriots do in the Chargers. So now second week in a row, Chargers run defense. Gave up, I mean, good chunky yards. Philadelphia, 39 carries, 176 yards. So, yeah, that's that's a lot there. And we'll have to see, can, they, can the Chargers fix that in the second part of the year? Because they're able to, then uh, I mean, I think the Chargers have a very high ceiling. Because uh, when you come to the playoff time, that's where the game gets a little seems like a little more physical. It's played a little slower. There's a little bit more of an emphasis on run games. Because um, of course, if you're able to eat up clock while putting points on the board then you're doing well for yourself because of the added pressure of the playoffs. Teams get down uh, early or at the half or whatever, and you start seeing them pressing in the second half. So it was definitely a win that the Chargers needed. And, um, yeah, Herbert looked like Herbert. So that's all you're looking for. Um... For the Eagles, yeah, nothing really necessary to talk about there. Uh, so, yeah. Once again, so was the minus one and a half? Yes. 27, 24, Chargers. Very next game we had was the Chiefs, Packers. Line on this one was seven. Uh, so we so we got to see Jordan Love in this game. As there was no Aaron Rodgers, we know why. Uh, quick note. We'll do an episode in the next coming days where I do talk while we're well, where I will talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers as well as some other people in the NFL, uh, Odell Beckham, amongst others. We'll see when I do the episode, but um. Yeah, so I'm not going to, you know, talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation right now because of the game. 
but save it for that episode. So like I said, we saw Jordan Love in this one. It was a struggle, I will say. Um, it was a struggle both ways. Chiefs still do not look like their old selves. And Green Bay looked, I guess, awful as usual when Rodgers doesn't play. But the Chiefs were able to get the win 13-7. to uh, Although... I did have that minus seven. <laughs> a narrow loss there. Let's see. What to say about this game? I kind of said it. Mahomes and Kansas City's offense, defense, their whole team, they they just don't have the necessarily level of invincibility because I don't think teams are really looking at them that way, but the at least for this season, at least this part of the season, the the days of saying that the Chiefs are head and shoulders the best team in the AFC. Once again, at least this year, you can't really say that. And yeah, more struggles. I don't know. The offense is just out of sync. Mahomes was it past couple of games, at least that I've seen, has become a dink and dunk passer all of a sudden. Whereas years past, the Chiefs were all about you know extending plays, pushing down fields, all this kind of stuff. That's not happening this year. And uh, like I said, with Jordan Love struggled nineteen for thirty four, one ninety touchdown and interception. But there's several plays where. I mean, it it just looked ugly. And from watching this, I understand exactly why, you know, Aaron Rodgers acts the way that he does. Because he knows Jordan Love's no real threat to his job. Even though he cried about them drafting him, we we saw Jordan Love, he's not ready yet. Now, part of that could be because it was really his first start in a regular season game. And with the situations as they were, maybe he... Maybe he had a tough week practice. I don't know. But, but yeah. He had an opportunity. If he came out, played well, you know, he could have put some pressure on Rodgers to, you know, try to get back sooner than, rather than later. Uh, just, yeah, just the missed opportunity for Jordan Love. Of course, I'm not going to completely write the book on him just off of this one game. You can definitely see the talent is there because he can scramble. Seems to have a pretty good arm. I do think accuracy might be an issue with him, Uh, at least early on. These are all things that he can develop over the course of his career. But, um, yeah. You can chill on the Jordan Love era so far. Maybe next year, because we don't know what Rogers is going to do after this year anyway. So, uh, but yeah, opportunity loss for Jordan Love. Green Bay rushing game, twenty-five one twenty-two. They were the best part of the offense. Fortunately, there wasn't a lot of it. As like I said, Kansas City thirteen to seven over Green Bay. 
go ahead and last three matches we have here. So let's go ahead and get through those. We have what? Cardinals 49ers. I took the Cardinals plus three in this one. And I actually did that before I learned that Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins weren't going to play in this game. But I already locked in the plus three. So I did feel a little iffy about the game. And clearly I shouldn't have because the Cardinals got the win 31-17. Improving to 8-1. Niners fall to 3-5. The story of this game is Colt McCoy. I mean, it's a tough situation with him. He's the backup. All week, we did not know if Kyle Murray was going to play or not. Come game day, why not? He's not going to play. So McCoy, you know, started it today, probably thinking, you know, he's going to back up all day. Maybe because Kyle Murray was hurt during the week. Maybe he gets in at some point. Goes from that to then, you know, from opening kick, it's all him. And I think I heard what Colt McCoy is like 35 or something now or something like that. Got to tell you, was a little surprised by that. I mean, if you had told me to guess Colt McCoy's age, I probably would have guessed the early 30s. But to hear that he was like mid-30s, some reason this surprised me. But um, he was good. 22 for 26, 249 with a touchdown. No interceptions. So, of course, he's not Kyler Murray. You're not going to run the same plays you do with Murray, that that uh, with McCoy. But in a, you know, in a substitute role like McCoy is in, if you can come off the bench cold, first start of the year, first start probably in a couple of years, because, like I said, hadn't heard about Colt McCoy in a few years, and you go 22 for 26, that put the Cardinals in a good situation to win, which they, like I said, were able to by two scores. Um, they had a running game to help, led by James Conner, 21 carries, 96 yards. Overall, they were 39 carries, 163 yards. So, yeah, that took all the pressure off of McCoy. Um, yeah, and guess one last thing with the Cardinals. I don't think it's like an extended issue for Murray. At least for me. I'm expecting there's a better chance that he plays next week. Uh, definitely something to, you know, keep track of if he does miss next week as well. Maybe, maybe you start wondering, but I think he'll be back. Uh, for the Niners... I guess just another story in a up and down weird kind of year for San Francisco. Um, uh, let's see, Garoppolo twenty for forty, three twenty six, two touchdowns, one interception. It's not a bad day, I, to be honest with you. But um, just wasn't enough on this day, and especially going up against Colt McCoy, the opportunity was there to get a big, 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 big win in the division. But instead, it's going to be a tough loss. And a loss like this is something that could linger into next week and lead to a slow start. Of course, the 49ers are kind of running out of time here. Going into the second half, three and five. Especially the NFC is looking like you probably have to get to 
I think if you get to nine wins, you could probably get into the playoffs. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Yeah, so you'd be asking the Niners to go what, six and three, at least, to get to nine wins, which is definitely possible. I do think that the 49ers got some people back in this game. So maybe they'll start to play a little better uh, in the second half of the season, see if they can salvage, uh, you know, make up for the struggles in the first half of the year get back into playoff contention. Yeah. So, definitely a good win for the Cardinals. Alright. Sunday night game. We're looking at... Oh. Once again, it was plus 17 win. But, looking at Sunday night game, Rams, Titans. Line on this one was 7... I took the Rams minus a seven and Titans ended up getting the win 28 to 16. So, <laughs> not go well for me in this one. Titans improved to seven and two Rams fall to seven and two. So now obviously all eyes are on Tennessee in this one to see what they would look like. First game without Derrick Henry. And they, they just found a different way to win. We'll, we'll just say that. And it was a good win for them. Very big win. Rams came in at 7-1, looking like maybe the best team in the NFC. The Titans took it to them early and often, and Matt Stafford threw two real questionable interceptions, which the Titans were able to convert into points. Uh, defensively, they played well. It was a good all-around game for Tennessee. Uh, Tannehill was 19 for 27, 143, nothing too crazy there. He did have a touchdown, and, a, and he did have a pick. But, you know, like I said, nothing too, too, too crazy. Um, Saw Adrian Peterson. He went 10 carries, 21 yards. Like I said, he's been 
I mean, he he's, hasn't been on a team since last year, of course, because I don't remember hearing about him this year. So, we'll have to see. Peterson's probably going to be something where, you know, he looked a little out of sorts this week. He'll probably look a little better next week. And then maybe three, four, five weeks down the line, I fully expect Peterson to be uh, really productive. Uh, yeah, as they start to you know, try to piece together a running game with no Henry. And if they can do that, then it's less you get the burden Tannehill with. So once again, it's kind of been a theme of this episode. Uh, Tennessee is built a lot like Cleveland, New England, you know, places like that. Like to get the running game going first, then bring the quarterbacks into into play. Let's see. For the Rams, Stafford, 31 for 48, 294, touchdown, two picks. Like I said, the two picks were terrible picks. One, he was in his own end zone, so led to short field. That's just something you can't do uh, for, for a top seed right now. Yeah, you don't want to be throwing away games because of bad decision-making by your quarterback. Uh, yeah, running game was uh, was was okay. Yeah, over four and a half yards to carry. That's good. But yeah, the Rams dropped this one. Titans get a big win, and I believe at this point the Titans are now the new number one in the AFC. So if they can hold on to that, they'd be set. But yeah, let's go ahead. Very last game, Monday night game. I'm sure a lot of you heard by now. Very interesting sequence of plays in this game. But uh, I took the Steelers minus a six and a half in this one. Steelers did get the win, but it was 29 to 27. So not a wide enough margin. Steelers improved to five and three. Bears followed three and six. This was a game where just watching it, you could you could probably say that the Bears deserve to win this game. Uh, Justin Fields, 17 for 29 for 291, touchdown the pick. But I, mean, I could argue with you that it seemed like Fields had his best game as a pro. So uh, the thing's going to be, is this a trend now? Can he consistently make plays with his legs as well as in the passing game and try to try to get some wins for the Bears? Uh, let's see. Montgomery was good in this game. Part of a rushing attack of 26 carries, 136 yards. And for Pittsburgh... Let's see, Roethlisberger, 21 for 30, 205, two touchdowns. So, for Pittsburgh, it seemed like for the first three quarters or so, they had a set game plan. Establish the run, keep Ben on short passes, you'll be fine. For some reason, there was like a two-series stretch. We're seeing like all of a sudden Pittsburgh went away from the running game and just wanted to put the ball in Roethlisberger's hand. And I think when they made that change 
for a little bit in the fourth. That's when Chicago made their run and, you know, made the game a lot closer than it should have been. So, could be an issue for Pittsburgh going forward. You know, they need to realize that Roethlisberger isn't that guy anymore. Stick to uh, establishing Harris early. Then bring in Big Ben later on to, you know, run some play action, run some bootleg stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's basically... Oh, yeah, so the the play in question I'm talking about was the sack by Cassius Marsh. You know, gets the field, does this... uh spinning back kick or something pretty impressive I gotta give him that but then he started going towards the Pittsburgh sidelines staring him down all this kind of stuff blah 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 going back to Pittsburgh's bench wait how did it go no Cassius Marsh is on the Bears sorry Marsh made a sack. Yes, he sacked Roethlisberger. Sorry, had that completely backwards. Sacked Roethlisberger, forced the fourth down, and supposed to be a punt, blah, blah, blah. But he makes the tackle. Uh, He does a spinning back kick. Then he stares at Pittsburgh's bench because he's a former Steeler, which, you know, once he did that, I kind of knew it was coming because, you know, the spinning back kick, fine. But then it was like he was just staying out on the field, staring guys down and all this kind of stuff. And you started seeing the referee reaching for his side through the flag. And then as Marsh was going back to the Bears sideline, it like he got close to the ref. Kind of like the ref, you know, kind of pushed his butt or his hip out a little bit so Marsh could run into him. Don't know if that's what the flag was for, but if it was, then that's terrible. But uh did make you think about the whole taunting rule and all that kind of stuff. We heard from Tomlin. He said uh, he likes it. It's, you know, it's something that needs to be taken from the game. He's also on the competition committee, so obviously he's going to say that. So really quickly for me, as we're getting towards the end of the episode here, I understand the point of the taunting emphasis. I do. I I really do. I understand what the NFL is trying to do, and I get it. Because on this play, kind of was your great example of what the taunting emphasis is all about. Marsh makes a great play. NFL's a game. You, you play on emotion. Understood. So, does the back kick? Fine. Nobody cared. If he did that, went to the sideline, perfectly fine. They get the punt. Who knows where we are today? Although, I think if they got the ball, Fields probably would have let him down to at least get three. So, I think they would have been fine. But, yeah, call comes back, 15-yard penalty. They get new downs. So, the spinning back kick, fine. It's the fact that he stayed out on the field. He was out there for a good while. Just staring down, going towards Pittsburgh's bench. I feel like that's where it's like, okay, you had your little moment, did your thing. 
but then Mars wanted to extend it even further, and I think that's where the taunting came in. Now I get it, it's perfect world, you know. Uh, players make a great play. They'd be given free reign to do any, everything for as long as they want. Perfect world, of course. Here, real world, real world situation. Like I said, understanding taunting emphasis. I'm okay with it. Certain situations, I have seen some things where, you know, a player makes a play. They celebrate, they do one thing, and then a flag's coming out for taunting. So unless that player is directly directing it towards the opposition, I think you're fine. And that's what I'm saying with Marsh, because it turned into something of him between Pittsburgh sideline, I think that's where he got in trouble and the flag came out. So I just want to say that really quickly about the whole taunting thing because it was on full display in this matchup because a lot of people are looking at that play as a reason why Chicago lost. Far from it. Uh, Chicago was very uh, careless defensively, showed little discipline. They had numerous lining up in the neutral zone penalties. Uh, was it neutral zone infractions? All that kind of stuff, which killed them on a few defensive drives in the fourth quarter. So that's what lost in the game, not the Marsh play. The Marsh play, you could say, part of the issue, but no. There was so much that happened before that that led to Chicago losing. So there you are. That's the full slate of week eight. Um... Let's go ahead real quickly look at the week I mean sorry that's week 9 that we just went through. So let's take a look at week 10, the Thursday night game cuz like I said with this one end the episode by looking forward to Thursday night football game my pick there. So it'll be the first pick for week 10. Uh we have Baltimore and um Miami the line is set at seven and a half. So it's a short week, but I'm going to take the Ravens minus a seven and a half here. As we said already, Dolphins aren't a good football team. And if there's one thing that, you know, travels well, especially on a short week, they're going to Miami running game. Baltimore probably has the best running game. They're the most committed to the running game in the league. I think that's going to pose problems for the Dolphins. Um, I I mean, we don't know the status of Tua yet, of course, but whether it's him or Brissett, I think it's going to be tough for them as well. So, you know, not expecting too much from the Dolphins. And as we've seen with some Thursday night games, when you have a good team versus a poor team, sometimes the quality slips a little bit, but I fully expect Baltimore to cover here. I think it should be kind of easily. So, so yeah, that's the first pick for Week 10. The rest of the games will go over later in the week. But, um, but yeah. So... 
oh wait quickly looking back week nine so look at everything i went six and eight yes six and eight so that's another tough tough week so i back up a six eight and one week with a six and eight week yikes so that means we fall to 66 uh 67 and 2 yeah so we're now back under 500 <sighs> so hopefully week 10 we can turn around this mini slump that i'm in with picks but hey now's another pick segment and yeah nothing else for you on this episode so we'll go ahead and wrap it up here um just looking forward to the next episode not sure what I'll talk about I have a few things that I can talk about I feel like I've been pushing off talking about the brace for a little bit here so I guess I'll talk about that the next episode do that get that out of the way as the parade was our, was now almost a week ago let's go ahead get that out of the way and then we can move on to other stuff uh, college football playoff, Aaron Rodgers, all that kind of stuff. That's coming down the line. Probably get those in at some point this week. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, this is, If this is your first episode, hopefully you enjoyed it. You stick around. You can go ahead and check out some previous episodes as well. Uh, those of you returning, appreciate you, of course. I mean, you know what to do. Uh, so for all of you, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, wherever you do listen to your podcast, hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you're checking this out on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell as well so you know when a new episode drops. Yes, it's not a video podcast yet, so you get the audio version on YouTube as well. Uh, follow me. At Chomping Podcast. I mean, it's a pretty good way to get in touch with me. When I'm watching games, I tweet pretty regularly, I guess. So, you kind of see where I'm coming from a lot of times with what I'm watching. You know, you respond back. I can respond back to you. Works perfectly. Also, the Facebook page. You look up Chomping at the Bit, find the Facebook page there. You can like there and gain access to the episodes there as well. So available everywhere. However you like listening to these, you you can, you know, like, subscribe, follow, leave a comment or review, whatever. If you, even if you don't like the show, leave a review and tell me what you don't like about it so yeah that's my little spiel there but um leave you with this be safe out there god bless catch you next episode all right i'm out
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 